is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Who is the most important person in Jubilee Church for me to lead? Who is the most difficult and awkward person in the church for me to lead? And who is the most important? It's actually the same individual. It's actually the same person. And the most difficult and yet the most important person for me to lead in Jubilee Church is me. And the most difficult person... For you to lead, and the most important person for you to lead, is you. So for me, it's not the elders. I mean, they're not difficult. They're lovely and wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) It's not my wife. It's not another group of people. Actually, it's me. And the same is true for you. You are the most important person for you to lead. And you know what? You're the hardest for you to lead as well. And that is true for all of us. And leading yourself is called, by many people, self-leadership. And so this morning I want to talk about this subject of self-leadership. Self-leadership. And I'm going to take us to a passage in a moment that records an account in the life of David that teaches us something about this subject. And there are some lessons there for all of us to learn, I trust, this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll look at some scripture together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that we can rejoice in worship, and uh, thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace. And we pray now, as we look at your word, that you would speak to us from it, Lord. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you would make the words of this book come alive to us and that you might be our teacher. Lord, help me to serve these wonderful people well now and help me to show them what you're saying in your word. For your glory, Lord, in our lives, in your church, in this city and the nations, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible with you, you might be liking, uh, wanting to find 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But let me give you some background before we get there. And the background is this. David and his men and their families have been living in a place called Ziklag, which is in Philistine country, which, as you may be aware, is actually the enemies of Israel. And David finds himself in a rather tricky, difficult situation. It's getting a bit awkward, in fact, because his Philistine hosts are about to go out to battle to the nation of Israel, which is a bit awkward, really, isn't it? When, you know, he's he's living there in Philistine country, they're being very nice to him, and uh, mostly, and um, he then finds that their army is about to go off and fight uh, Saul's army. So that puts David in a bit of an awkward position, really. I mean, Saul's after him. That's why he's sort of, you know, having to live in another place. But he doesn't really want to go and fight his army. 
but neither does he want to upset the Philistines who are looking after him. He's in a bit of a tricky situation. And so what, do we, what can he do? What's the way out of that? Well, fortunately for David, there's divine deliverance and God intervenes. The commanders of the Philistines decide that actually having David around and his men probably isn't a good idea in a battle just in case halfway through they decide to change sides and start fighting them. So David and his men are sent back to Ziklag and uh, he thinks, this is great, haven't got, to fight the, uh, haven't got to fight Saul's army. So you think, actually, that's all good. And uh, God has broken in and uh, solved the situation. But actually, when David gets home, things are not looking so good. And that's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Oh. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinamon of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Let's look at David's leadership lesson. David's leadership lesson. When David and his men return, then we find the Amalekites have been and raided the camp. They've taken off their women and children. This is not good. And we're told in Scripture that David and his men weep until they have no strength left to weep. David himself is greatly distressed. Not only has he lost his two wives, but now some of the men are talking of stoning him. He's not having a good day. You can imagine if it was around in those days, his Facebook status right now. Sad face, probably crying, probably not sure what to do. Having a bad day doesn't really sum it up, does it? So what does he do? What is the solution to David's problem right now? What David does now, what we read about in Scripture, what he does next is perhaps one of the greatest leadership lessons that a Christian leader can learn. If you are in any form of leadership this morning, there will come a time when you need to learn this lesson. You can read all sorts of secular books on leadership and management, and I have done, but none of them will tell you this. You can study leadership if you like at university, and I have done, but you will not see this in a course that you might take then. If you are a Christian here this morning, you can take this lesson and apply it to your workplace situation. Or in the church, you can apply it to your small group your social action ministry, your kids' work, your youth group, or whatever area you happen to serve in. This is a lesson that every Christian leader needs to learn. And if you haven't learnt it yet, you can learn it today in these few minutes we have to look at it together. In fact, it's so important 
Even if you aren't a leader, you can still learn this lesson and it will still serve you well. And we find this lesson hidden away at the very end of verse 6. Take a look at it with me, if you will, please. It doesn't even get a verse on its own, which is such a shame, considering how important it actually is. 1 Samuel, chapter 30, the second part of verse 6, says this. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Let's say that together. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Other versions put it a slightly different way. The, uh, the ESV puts it like this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I quite like that version. It sounds a bit stronger, doesn't it? David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David faced a leadership crisis. What is he going to do now? He's got a disaster on his hands. Nobody would want to be David in this moment, would they? You know, you're taking your men back and you get back to camp and everything's gone. It's burned, your wives, your children, possessions, it's all gone. Just remains of, of smoky embers left hanging in the air. So right now, what does he do? Where does David direct his efforts? Is it to the soldiers? Is it maybe the officers? Is it perhaps the rebels that he needs to try and stop stoning him? You'd think that's quite important, wouldn't you? If they're starting to look around for large rocks and they're talking of stoning the guy, you think, maybe you need to face, you know, put some energy there, David. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't do any of that. No, David directs his efforts at himself. Do you notice here, that David has to lead himself before he can lead anybody else. And that is the lesson that you need to learn. You are the most important person for you to lead. And you have to lead yourself before you can lead anybody else. And so how, you may ask, did David lead himself? Well, the writer tells us here, we're told that David found strength in the Lord his God. Or as another version puts it, he strengthened himself in the Lord. That's quite an active thing, isn't it? You can imagine it. That's quite got some energy to it. David strengthened himself in the Lord. So when the odds are against you, when everything is going wrong, the first person you need to look at and to lead well is yourself. When work has gone very wrong, when your relationship has broken down, when maybe you're expected to show the way forward to others, you need to lead yourself first. And to do that, the very first thing you must do is to turn your gaze away from the immediate situation and turn your gaze heavenward. That's what David would have done. We're not told exactly what he did here, but I want to suggest this. It certainly involved worship. And why can I be so sure about that? Remember who David was. Right at his core, David was a worshipper. That's who he was. He loved to worship the Lord and sing and play his instruments. That was his, if you like, default position. It was he who wrote the majority of the Psalms. And many of those were composed out of situations that had gone badly wrong, where he found himself with, with people hunting him down. 
And it's in those moments that he worshipped, because we have it in the Psalms, it's recorded for us. It's not only when he's having a good day does he sing to the Lord, but actually when the army is out to get him, and to fight him, and to kill him, and he's in hiding, then he worships as well. And with some of those songs that he wrote or recorded for us. So I would suggest that what he did in this moment was the same as what he did then, which was he worshipped his Lord. And that sort of decision, friends, is not learnt in the heat of the moment. That sort of decision is learnt in the everyday, the often mundane everyday life. That's where habits are formed, be them good or bad. And David had learnt over time that the right response was to worship and look to the Lord. Remember how the NIV puts it? David found strength in the Lord his God. When all his strength had gone, where there was nowhere else to turn, he found strength in the Lord his God. See, David knew where to turn. He knew where to look when everybody else seemed to be against him. Why? Because it was his regular practice to worship. To look to God, to draw strength from him in doing so. Let me show you, this wasn't just an isolated account in David's life. Turn with me please to to Psalms. Turn with me to Psalm 57. Psalm 57 says this. And it actually starts, before the psalm starts, we get a little commentary here in in the NIV. It says, for the director of music... So pay attention, this is the tune. To the tune of Do Not Destroy. What does that sound like? Of David. So it's a a psalm of David. A mictum. Not quite sure what that is. We think it's maybe a literary or musical term. Maybe it's the style. We're not quite sure there. Then then the commentary says this. When he had fled from Saul into the cave. So he's in hiding here. This is what he writes in that moment. Psalm 57, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. See what he's doing here? Difficult times he's worshipping. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp as sorry, whose tongues are sharp swords. It's not having an easy day. What does he say? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they fall into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. We love some of those verses. 
Verses like, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I'll sing of you among the peoples. The great is your love reaching to the heavens. We think, that's great, isn't it? They're lovely verses there. They stir us to worship. They help us. We think, wow, David's got such a fantastic heart for the Lord. Must have been having such a good day. Must have been going so well for him. No. In the same song, he's crying out to the Lord about those who are after him. But do you notice what he does here? Do you notice how he responds? In verse 7, he makes a statement. He says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast, even in the midst of turmoil. And do you notice what he does next? In verse 8, David talks to himself. Now, I know you could argue that talking to yourself... Maybe a sign of madness, not, not, not always so good. But listen, I think talking to yourself, when it's talking to yourself, Scripture and promises of God is a good thing. And that's what he does here. He says, awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. It's like David's talking to his heart, saying, listen, heart, I know it looks a bit rubbish all around. I know we've got <laughs> people against us right now. But listen, Wake up, we're going to worship the Lord. Even in the midst of this situation, that's what David does. And it's it's interesting that he talks to himself like this, because it's like he needed reminding. It's like he knew it to be true, he knew it was important, but even he had to speak to himself saying, come on, we're going to worship now. He had to remind himself what to do. Come on, soul, wake up, we're going to worship. And he turns his heart towards the Lord. I want to suggest to you, friends, he did the same thing in this passage we read just a moment ago from 1 Samuel. Think of another example. This may help us. Think about Daniel, another Old Testament character. We're familiar to some of you. He was somebody who had a regular discipline of daily prayer. But he found himself in a situation where the king had got tricked into making a law that outlawed such prayer. It was designed by his enemies to catch him out and cause his downfall, probably his death. But the Bible records for us what Daniel did when the heat went up and the pressure went on. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... What did he do? Run for it? Decide to hide? No. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What did he do when the pressure went on? You can bet that he found strength in his God just as David did. And yet again, we see that the time to learn these good habits is not when the pressure is on, but actually it's before we get there. Now, if you're in a situation right now when the pressure is on, don't worry, you can still learn this and you can learn it today. But if you're in a situation where the pressure isn't on right now, I want to suggest to you that learning this lesson in advance will serve you well when you get to a situation when the pressure increases. And if you still need persuading of the importance of this, we could consider the pattern of Jesus. We don't have time to look at it in detail this morning. 
But we could look at the Gospel of Mark, the first few chapters of Mark. You find this. You find Jesus in intense periods of ministry that are quickly followed by reflection, prayer, solitude, and fasting. And it's like the cycle's repeated. Then it's then he's out again, and he's, and he's preaching, he's healing the sick, declaring the kingdom of God. Then he withdraws, he takes time away, he goes to be with his father, to pray, to seek him, to hear his voice, to get refreshed, to find his strength. Then he comes back, and it's again, preaching, healing the sick, declaring the kingdom of God. And so the cycle continues. Jesus knew what he needed. He needed to lead himself well. If you can think of one person in the course of history that had some demands upon him, had people clamoring to be with him, and also had enemies who were out to kill him, it's Jesus, isn't it? What does he do? He finds strength in his God, in his Father as well. Jesus knew what he needed. Daniel knew what he needed. David certainly knew what he needed to do in these moments. So, how about you? How about you? Think about you for a moment. We've thought about David and Daniel and Jesus even. What about you? Are you accustomed to leading yourself? Are you accustomed to finding strength in God? If this is a new concept for you this morning, friends, don't let it frighten you or worry you because even today you can find strength in God. Even if it's the first time for you, you can find strength in the Lord. You can find hope. Daniel Goleman, author of Emotional Intelligence, analysed why a small percentage of leaders develop to their fullest potential whilst most leaders hit a plateau far beneath what one might expect from them. His conclusion? He says the difference has to do with self-leadership or what he calls emotional self-control. According to Goldman, this form of self-control is exhibited by leadership when they persevere in leadership despite overwhelming opposition or discouragement, when they refuse to give up during times of crisis, when they manage to hold ego at bay, when they stay focused on their mission rather than being distracted by other people's agendas. He argues that self-leadership is so important You see, leading yourself is vital to getting the job done, getting the job done well. And whether you're a leader or not, leading yourself in your relationship with the Lord is vital to living well as a follower of Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what you need? Do you know what you need? Do you know... How to lead yourself. What do you do to lead yourself? It's an important question to think about because in moments when trials come and situations are collapsing all around us, it's good if you know ahead of time what to do in that moment. Now, if you're in that moment right now and you haven't a clue, don't worry because I can help you with this. Scripture helps us with this. 
But let me tell you this, if you can learn lessons ahead of time, that will serve you well. That will serve you really well. You see, David didn't learn this lesson when he returned to Ziklag. That wasn't his first time of finding strength in the Lord. He'd learned it years before, a long time ago. Probably when he was a shepherd boy, when the lions and the bears came. That's when he found that he could draw strength in his God. He found strength there. So as we begin to close, let me give you four ways to lead yourself, to find strength in your gods. And friends, I would suggest to you that these four things will work for you, whether you have been a Christian for 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years, or whether this morning might be the very first time you've even thought about following Jesus. I want to suggest to you that these four things that I'm going to show you now will work for you wherever you are in, 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 that, in that line, if you like. So how do you find strength in your God? How do you lead yourself? Number one, number one, stay close to God to start with. Stay close to God to start with. When you have to turn your gaze towards him, you don't want to make it a long journey. In that moment when David found that his men were talking of stoning him, he didn't want it to be a long journey to get back to thinking about the Lord. It had to be a quick thing for him because he needed help in that moment. He needed to find strength immediately. He did not need a long journey to try and work out where the Lord had gone to because he'd wandered away. He needed to find strength in his God immediately. So lesson number one is this. Stay close to God to start with. Let it be your daily practice to gaze upon him, to read his words, to pray and to seek his heart. Think about it. If you have a friend that you're close to, it may be your husband or wife, or it may be, uh, it may be a best friend, then you want to spend time with them, don't you? You want to be in that relationship. You want to hang out with them. You want to commune with them. You want to talk to them. It should be like that with our Heavenly Father too. So lesson one, stay close to God to start with. Lesson number two, take your own spiritual temperature. Take your own spiritual temperature. Have you noticed that doctors will take your temperature to try and find out what's wrong with you? They want to know what's going on inside your body. If you turn up at a doctor's surgery or at A&E, one of the things they may do is take your temperature because the answer to what the temperature is will give them an indication to what's going on inside. When I was in hospital this year, I was having my temperature and blood, take, blood pressure taken every few hours. They needed to monitor me quite closely. So even through the night as I would sleep, or try and sleep, if any of you have been in the hospital, you know it's not always that easy to. Lights are on and medics are coming and going and all sorts of stuff happening. But even in that, even through the night, every few hours, a nurse would come and temperature would be taken, blood pressure would be taken to find out what was going on and how my body was responding. What about your spiritual temperature? How's your spiritual temperature doing? What do I mean? Well, are you hot with passion for the Lord? 
Would somebody say that you're on fire for Jesus? Or has that passion just died down a little bit? Did he used to be a young radical, really fiery for the Lord, keen to tell everybody you met about Jesus? Has that just sort of died down a bit over the years? And You might say you got a bit more responsible, but we all know what that really means is actually the fire's gone out a bit. How's your spiritual temperature today, this morning? How's that doing? And once you're able to answer that question, then that leads us on to our our third lesson here. Number three, learn what restores your soul and do it. Learn what restores your soul and do it. It's going to be different for each one of us. We're all different. And each one of us works in a slightly different way. And each one of us, our relationship with God is a bit different because God uses our emotions and our minds and how he, how he made us. That's okay. That's fine. But learn what it is for you that restores your soul and do it. It's no good just learning what it is, but you have to do it as well. Learn what it is that maybe increases your spiritual temperature. Learn what it is that draws you closer to the Lord. And number four, find a friend to help you. Find a friend to help you. Do you remember last week we saw that the Bible tells us that Jonathan strengthened David in the Lord. That's a great verse. Jonathan strengthened David in the Lord. Maybe you need someone to help you. To strengthen you in the Lord, to encourage you, to encourage your faith when you're feeling weak, to encourage you with God's word when you feel that everything's on top of you and you're not quite sure where to turn and how to work things out, where strengthening yourself will be hard going. In those moments, what you need is a friend to help you, who can come alongside you and strengthen you. Let's wrap up. Many years after this account, the Lord said this to the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Friends, if you're feeling weak this morning, guess what? God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And because of Jesus... You can know God's grace. He is sufficient for you. And by his grace, he will help you and sustain you. So he will send his Holy Spirit to you to draw you to himself so that you're close to him. And being constantly full of the Holy Spirit will help to keep your spiritual temperature hot and you on fire for the Lord's. His nearness and his presence, like streams of living water, the Bible says, will refresh your soul. And the Holy Spirit is known as the Comforter. He who comes alongside to encourage. He is the greatest friend that you can know in your life. And so as we finish, let me ask you a question. In what areas of your life do you need to find strength in the Lord? How do you need to lead yourself 
right now. Let's pray together. And uh, we're going to ask the Lord would come and apply his word to our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the example we have of David finding strength in you. Lord, when everything else around him had gone very wrong, even his closest friends were talking of stoning him, thank you that in that moment, Lord, he was able to turn to you and find strength in you. So, Lord Jesus, I want to pray for every person here this morning that they would know how to lead themselves. They would know how to find strength in you. And Lord, particularly for any who feel that everything is falling apart around them, even maybe closest friends having deserted them, Lord, I pray for them particularly right now that you would come and be their strength. That you would come by your grace and you would be sufficient for them. Lord, thank you that we have in Jesus even so much more than David had. Thank you for the relationship we have with you, Lord. Thank you for the gift we have of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that by following you, we can know our sin forgiven and we can have a relationship with you, the living God. And Father, I pray for any of this morning who are here and yet do not know that in their own lives. I pray that even today they would turn their hearts towards you and that you would show yourself to be sufficient. You would show yourself to be their God and their Father and that you would give them your strength even today in every circumstance. And so, Father, we pray uh, that you'll be with us this week. Help us to live lives that honour you, that love you, are full of life and vigour for you and your kingdom. And Lord, enable us to speak of you at every opportunity and glorify you with every word and action. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're done for this morning. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Come along on any Sunday morning.